like hearing the personal testimony and the personal story of someone's life who has been completely and thoroughly changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, those are real stories, you know, and uh, we thank God for that. Um, how many of you this morning just kind of all cards on the table came because you knew I had to be done at 10 and you got a ham in the oven? I'm just asking, because <laughs> if I were in your shoes, I'd do the same thing, but in the words of my friend John Chris, you need to check your heart, right? <laughs> you know, we're glad you're here today, glad that you decided to celebrate one of the most important events in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not here to celebrate the fact that winter is over, that spring is here, We're not celebrating the fact that the flowers are blooming. We're here today because of Jesus Christ. And the fact that Jesus Christ, after three days of being in the tomb, miraculously came back from the dead. We're here because we believe as Christians that Jesus Christ literally and he physically resurrected from the dead. We believe that. And I know for some, they're thinking, man, that's a big pill to swallow. But those of us who know Jesus, those of us whose lives have been completely transformed by the powerful truth found in the gospel, there's no doubt in our heart, there's no doubt in our mind that Jesus Christ came back from the dead and he did so so that we might experience the forgiveness of sins, so that we might have a right relationship with God and know for certain where we're going to spend eternity the day that we breathe our last breath. We don't think it's ethereal. We don't believe it was an analogy. We don't believe that the story of Christ is a fairy tale. C.S. Lewis said that Jesus Christ was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord. Today, as followers of Jesus Christ, we worship him as Lord. We worship him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And because Jesus literally and physically rose from the dead by his own choice, in his own power, This morning, I want you to understand something, that we have a risen Savior with a real hope. We have a risen Savior with a real hope, and that's the big idea that we want to talk about this morning, and we want to kind of allow our hearts to just be saturated with, if you will, with this truth. Because I believe today that a lot of people have religion, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Last week, I mentioned to you that religion is an empty commitment when it is not built on a relationship. And what we mean by that is this. You can go to church all you want. You can be baptized as many times as you want. You can pray as many prayers as you want. But if there's never been a moment in your life or a time in your life, whether it's a process, a journey, or a crisis moment where you recognize that you were lost, undone, and unrighteous in the sight of a holy God, and you recognized your incredible need to be forgiven of your sins and to have a relationship with your creator, then you have no hope in all the world. But this morning, if you put your hope in a risen Savior, you have something to live for. You have purpose. You have security. You have something that you can uh, anchor your soul to. But this morning, as we think about the gospel, and we think about what Jesus is, and when we think about what Jesus did for us, I want us to understand that the gospel has implications for everyday life. And I believe a lot of people go to church week in and week out, and they leave not transformed, if you will, by the truth that they're hearing in their life and in their heart. Today, I hope that will be a little bit different, and I hope that you'll understand that Jesus Christ coming back from the dead actually means something specifically 
and practically for your life. Because the fact that Jesus came back from the dead, it changes everything. And I want you to understand this morning that for every person here today, a risen Savior has the power to restore everything broken in our lives today. And that's a real hope. A risen Savior has the power to restore everything broken in our life. And sometimes we find ourselves in a situation that is broken that isn't our doing. Some of us find ourselves in situations that are broken because of our doing. But at the end of the day, because Jesus is alive, he's the one who reconstructs and rescues and restores every broken thing in our life simply because he is risen by his own power. The Jesus of the gospel is really alive. His actual body came out of a grave. Now, I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to know that the God that I serve has victory and power over death, hell, and the grave. Because with a risen Savior, a Savior that came back from the dead, if he really, literally came out of a grave, I'm here to tell you, anything is possible. That's a real hope this morning. My body cries out for that. If the resurrection of Jesus happens, that means there is infinite hope for the one who is lost, the one who is lonely, or maybe this morning the one who is in bondage. My flesh, my body, they cry out for real redemption. You know why? Because my problems and my brokenness and my sin is real. Just this morning I sat down with my two girls and said, Hey, Daddy loves you. Daddy's been a little stressed lately. Anger's been on a, like a crazy high. And Daddy's been yelling a lot lately. And I've been working on this message for a few weeks from now on anger. And I, I thought to myself, and I'll talk about it in a couple weeks, but I thought, you know, I don't know how I'm going to teach this with integrity because I've been angry with my kids lately. Legit reasons, but not handling those in a, a very good way. In fact, if the elders had seen the way I treated my kids lately, they'd be like, man, why are you a pastor, right? Because the reality is, is I'm broken. And the truth is, you're broken too. And there are things in your life that you wish, man, I wish I didn't do this, and I wish I didn't struggle with this, and I wish I wasn't in bondage to this, but I'm here to tell you that if you follow Jesus in the process of your spiritual growth and your spiritual journey, God over time will begin to deliver you from the brokenness in your life. And so this morning, I want you to understand, a dead Jesus, he gives me nothing. A dead Jesus gives you nothing. He's just another man that lived his life. Even if he's written about eloquently, even if he's written about inspirationally, but I want you to know this morning, a living Jesus means everything. A living Jesus changes everything. And in Luke chapter 24, the passage that Pastor Mike read this morning, it demonstrates that Christ is risen with power, not just over death, but over everyday fears, over everyday struggles, over everyday real-life problems. That is powerful And that is practical. A risen Savior gives us a real hope and a purpose we can anchor our hearts to when life is uncertain, complex, and full of fear. Now, how many of you say to me, hey, I get this. There are times in my life where I'm full of fear. Can I get an amen? How many of you say, man, sometimes my life is a bit uncertain and I just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Amen? Man, sometimes there is a complexity to life and I'm at a crossroads in my marriage, or in my finances, or uh, in my job, and uh, in this decision that I need to make, and it just doesn't seem to be working out, I don't know what to do. I don't know about you, but I often find myself 
in those moments, struggling with fear, with doubt, with confusion. God, what are you up to? Why are you doing this? I'm trying to live for you. I've put my faith in you, and it just doesn't make sense. I'm here to tell you this morning, there was a group of people in the Bible that found themselves in the very same situation. There was a group of people in the New Testament, specifically in the Gospel of Luke that Mike read about this morning, who had put all their faith in this man named Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came on the scene, and we would say that he kind of burst on the scene in a little town called Bethlehem by way of the Virgin Mary. He came, and he lived for 30-plus years, and he began a ministry, and he got a group of 12 nondescript disciples to begin following him, and these were the men that would ultimately impact the world with the gospel, and they left everything to follow Jesus. They left their jobs, they left their families, they left their life, and they just dropped it all, and they began to follow Jesus. And at the end of the ministry and of the life of Jesus Christ, he gave his life on the cross, and the whole time Jesus was with these men, he kept telling them, I'm going to die, but three days later, I'm going to come back from the dead. In fact, one time, when he told Peter, he says, Peter, I'm going to die, and I'm going to suffer at the hands of men. And he said, no, Lord, not you. Now, check this out. Peter, or Jesus called him. He said, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? Now, could you imagine Jesus calling you the devil? Right? That's a moment where it's like, man, just shut your mouth. Right? Get yourself under control. And so all of this happens. And that's where we find ourselves this morning in Luke chapter 24. You've got some people in this passage of Scripture that are confused. They're sad. They don't know what to do. And this morning, I want you to understand a risen Savior gives us hope. And so when we say Jesus is risen, we say risen indeed. But I want you to know, for what and for who? And I want you to see, first of all, this morning, that Jesus Christ is risen with power over confusion. He is risen with power over confusion. Let's look at the passage again this morning in Luke chapter 24. The Bible says, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. Now, who went to the tomb? Well, in verses 55 and 56 of 23, it says, The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments on the Sabbath day. They rested according to the commandment. Now, on the first day of the week, early dawn, they, these women, went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says this, underscore this in your Bible, while they were perplexed about this. They were perplexed about this. Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. Now the word perplexed in verse number 4 simply means they were confused. Because three days earlier, they watched the precious body of Jesus being laid down in this tomb. My wife and I, uh, two years ago, were able to go to the Holy Land, and we went to a place that it would have been similar, a tomb of similarity that Jesus would have been laid uh, in after his death. And you have to kind of, it isn't anything glorious, it isn't anything grand, but you kind of stoop down, and you have to walk in, and you stand up, and there's a bench there where they likely would have laid the very body of Jesus Christ. And these women show up on the scene to 
take care of that body, and all of a sudden, it's gone. On this first Easter morning, these women were going to go take care of this body, and arriving at the tomb, the stone that was covering the door to the grave was rolled away. And friends, I want you to know this morning that God didn't roll the stone away so Jesus could get out. He rolled the stone away so others could get in. He wanted them to see that he had come back from the dead. When they looked in the tomb, they were confused about what had happened. Where's Jesus? Where did he go? What did they do with his body? Just three days ago, we buried him. The Roman soldiers, they, they play, I saw them place his body there. Where, where is Jesus? Please tell us where he is so we can care for his remains. And I love what the angels say in verses number six. In verse number six, it says, he's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you? And in verse five, it says, look at this, underscore this. Why do you seek the living among the dead? I love this because ultimately, basically what these angels are saying is like, hey, check this out. This is where dead people hang out. And this is what Jesus is not. Jesus isn't dead. He is alive. You know, I find myself, and I don't know if you find yourself in the same situation, but often struggling. Often find myself struggling to wrap my head around the situations that I often face in life. Do you not? Sometimes something happens in my life and it just wasn't what I expected or how I thought it might turn out. We often struggle with that. And I would imagine for these dear ladies that they felt the same way. They were struggling, if you will. They were confused, wrapping their head around all that was going on in their life in that moment. First of all, here was Jesus, this man that said that he was a healer, a deliverer, a king. And all of a sudden, now he's dead? And then they go to his grave, and he's not there? What is going on? And oftentimes, we find ourselves in the same situation. See, you might be here this morning. You might be at a place of confusion about what's going on in your life. You might be perplexed. You might be confused. Maybe you lost your job this year. Maybe you miscarried this year. Maybe your marriage is falling apart, or maybe a friend betrayed you. Maybe you're a student here this morning, and classes aren't going the way that you anticipated that they would be going. Or maybe you started college this year, and, 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 and college life isn't all that you thought it was going to be. And so with all of this, you have a hard time wrapping your head around it. What the angel did in this passage is what we should all do, and that is this. Go to the words of Jesus. Look at what he says in verse number six. He's not here, but he is risen. Look at what he says. Remember what he told you? And so this morning, I want to encourage you. The fact that Jesus Christ came back from the dead means that the words that he said and the words that he has given us that we found written in the word of God are words that we can go to when life is confusing and perplexing. When life doesn't make sense and when we, can't, when we can't wrap our head around what is going on, we can go to the Word of God and anchor our hearts to something that never, ever changes. As we sang this morning, we can wrap our hearts around a living hope. Power over confusion for you and for me is going to be directly correlated, if you will, with our ability to understand And obey what God has left written for you and me in his holy word. 
Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And I want you to know this morning that your confusion will be strengthened by the words of Jesus Christ. You may be here confused about your life. You may be confused about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And the answer is found in the words of Christ himself. You may be confused about what God is doing in your life. Trust me, even as a, I've been saved for 35 years. 35 years I've been and, 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 and professed to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, even as a pastor, with a college education and a seminary education, there are days when I'm confused and I do not understand what God is up to in my life. There are days where I'm just perplexed. I just don't understand. And sometimes life can hurt really bad. But every time that happens, I find an incredible, immeasurable hope that never changes in the words of Christ himself. So Jesus is risen with power over confusion. But I want you to see something else. He's risen with power over doubt. Now in verses number 9 through 12, read this with me. It says, and returning from the tomb, these women, returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with him who told these things to the apostles. But check this out. In verse number 11, it says, But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. And then in verse 12, But Peter rose, and he ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. On that Easter morning, the disciples, imagine with me, they're all sitting in an upper room wondering what was going on. All these men are sitting there, and they're wondering, hey, man, I thought Jesus was going to be king. I thought Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman rule in our life. I thought our lives were going to be better because Jesus is here. I thought he was the Messiah. So they're sitting there wondering. We thought he was going to rule. I want to say this this morning. All Christians have doubt. I'm going to say that again. All Christians have doubt. I can't tell you how many countless nights I've woken up in the middle of the night wondering, man, is this stuff real? Is God, God, are you there? Because it doesn't feel like you're there. I'm not sensing that you're there. And so we all have a certain level of doubt. I'm so glad that the Bible is not filled with a bunch of stories of super Christians, right? This isn't a Percy Jackson novel. This isn't a Harry Potter story, right? I love the fact that in the Word of God, there's some pretty broken people. I mean, there's some people that are pretty messed up in the Bible, which allows us to understand the veracity of the Word of God. Because if I were writing the Bible, I'd spin it like Fox News. Can I get an amen? Like, this cat was awesome, and, you know, he was, you know, cut, and, you know, I mean, it would just be, I'd be gorgeous, right? Never did any. Why are you laughing? Don't laugh. Life would be good based on my historical account. But these men wrote about themselves under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And friends, if you're a doubter this morning, that's one of the ways in which we can know that the word of God is for real. The disciples who had walked with Jesus, who had touched him, and they sat at his feet. You with me today? These men saw Jesus take five fishes and two loaves of bread and make enough to feed 5,000 people. He took a fish sandwich from McDonald's. Are you with me? 
And on a country hillside, he fed everyone. He saw them raise Lazarus from the dead. He saw them help blind Bartimaeus. He saw them cast out legion and and put the demons in the swine and watch them run off the side of the cliff. These were the men that walked with Jesus, and even they doubted. And so if you have doubts this morning, you're in good company. So these disciples who had walked with Jesus, who had touched and sat at his feet and heard him teach, even they they doubted the words of these ladies. And they're in the upper room. What are we going to do now? That's what they're doing. What are we doing now? And then all of a sudden, you hear these footsteps. Mary busts in the door. She's like, he's alive. And they just sat there like, you're right. But thank God for Peter. Because in verse number 12, the Bible says, Peter rose and Peter ran to the tomb. Thank God for Peter. And I want to tell you this morning, we need to be like Peter today. If you've got doubts, you need to run to Jesus. Because I want you to know the person who really wants to know, listen, Jesus will show himself to that person. God will meet you where you are. Amen? God will always meet you where you are. And he loves you enough to move you where you need to be. He will show himself to the honest doubter. You may be here this morning doubting the words of Christ. Is Jesus real? Can he really save me? I've heard countless times in the last several weeks, hey, would you, would you come to church with me this Easter Sunday? I want you to hear about the good news of the gospel and Jesus and what he's done for me. Man, Jay, you don't know my life. You don't know the things that I've done. I don't know, but he does, and he made a way. You don't know my past. You don't know my sin. Friends, I want you to know this morning God made a way, and it's a way that's not built on our own effort. It's not built on our own effort. If, if Christ literally was raised from the grave, we have all the reason in the world to have hope and live a transformed life because if Jesus can come back from the dead, nothing is impossible. So this morning, you might be the guy who thinks he's so busted up that you believe that you, that you can outsend the cross, right? You might be here this morning like, man, my life is so busted up. I think I'm the one. I'm the guy that can outsend the cross. I'm the one that Jesus can't save. Friends, if you could outsend the cross, we wouldn't be celebrating Easter today. You with me? If, we, if you could outsend the cross, we wouldn't be celebrating Easter today. Because there's no sin and there's no sinner that Jesus can't redeem, restore, and rescue and make all things new in their life. That's the hope of a risen Savior today. It's all been paid. The resurrection of Jesus crushes our doubt and fills our hearts with a faith that transforms us to live with hope and purpose every single day of our lives. So Jesus is risen with power over confusion. He's risen with power over doubt. But I want you to see lastly this morning that Jesus is risen with power over sadness. Over sadness. I love this part of the story. In verse number 13, the Bible says that very day, two of them were going, two of the disciples, to a village called Emmaus, and about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. The crucifixion of Christ. They're talking about what these women had said in that upper room. And while they were talking and discussing together, get this, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Friends, I don't know about you, but a dead Savior can't draw near in your moments of sadness. But a living, risen Savior that came back from the dead by his own choice and his own power can move 
close to you in his presence in your most profound moments of sadness. The Bible says while they were walking, Jesus drew near. And in verse 16 it says, and their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus says to them, look at what he says in verse 17. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other? Listen, Jesus never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. It's kind of like with my kids, what are you doing? Like, I don't need an answer. I already know it's rhetorical, right? But Jesus asks questions to grow our faith. And he says to these men, he says, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And listen to what the Bible says. And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered and said, Are you, you got to get the humor in this. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? You with me? Jesus Christ, two cats on the way to, to, on the road, uh, on the way to Emmaus. What are you, what are you, a stranger? What are you, a foreigner? Like, you don't know? You don't know what's going on? I mean, because we talk to Jesus like that sometimes. Maybe not out loud, but in our mind. Like, don't you know what's going on in my life? Why I'm so sad? One of those? What are you, what are you a nut? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and, and crucified him. And look at what they say. But we had hoped, we believed, we trusted that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all of this is now the third day since these things happened. I want you to understand something this morning. Our world is filled with people of profound sadness. What's wrong? Well, my life is not what I thought it would be. So many people in our lives, maybe you're one of them this morning, with such sadness. These two disciples are discussing the events of the last three days. Jesus draws near and he asks them, why are you so sad? Now let me ask you, is that not cool or what? Because I've had some moments in my life where I've been really sad. I've had some moments in my life where I've been really discouraged and I just didn't know what was going to happen next or something had happened that was just so crushing. I'm like, God, this hurts. And what's fascinating in this text is that Jesus cares enough about the individual that he came back from the dead and he took a few moments to help with the sadness of two of those who were following him with their life. Jesus is just so patient, and he drew near to them in their sadness, and he began counseling from the word, because listen, his word will always cure your sadness. This world may break you down, but Jesus will appear to build you up. That's the role of Christ. So they say to Jesus, haven't you heard? Don't you know what has been going on? I could just imagine Jesus. I got the news. I'm totally dialed into what's happening. And then all of a sudden, he begins counseling them from the word of God. If you look in verse number 27, the Bible says, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he began expounding unto them the things concerning himself. Now, at that time, they didn't have the completed word of God like we hold in our hands today, but they had the Torah. That was the first five books of the Bible. And I imagine beginning in Genesis with Adam and Eve and the serpent in the garden, that he began talking to them about the fact 
that one day there would be a Messiah. One day there would be a Redeemer. One day there would be one that would crush the head of Satan, and his name was Jesus. And friends, that's the kind of hope that we have to overcome the sadness in our lives. In verse number 21, it says, but we had hoped. Could you imagine Jesus? Oh, really? They were sad because they thought Jesus was coming to overthrow their enemies. Jesus began a little Bible study. He went all the way back to the the beginning. And you may be here this morning, and you've trusted in Jesus. Maybe you've trusted in God. And maybe you have even been faithful. And you may have experienced your life, and you may have expected your life to be a little different than what it is. Maybe that's your story today. Maybe things in your life just didn't turn out the way that you thought they would. Let me share a word from God in Isaiah chapter 55. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In Romans 8, 28, it says that we know that God causes all things to work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You may be sad this morning, but understand this. There is a hidden purpose in all that God does in your life. And he doesn't waste one hurt. He doesn't waste uh, one trial or one loss because he is alive. And he is risen with power. And we can live in the victory that he claimed over life's greatest obstacles, struggles, and difficulties. And so this morning, I want you to understand what you want and what you need often collide. What you want is to be relieved of your burdens. And listen, what you need is to be rescued from your sin. What you want and what you need often collide. But isn't that kind of the entire point of this story? I mean, I I really think that's the point because everyone wanted something different from Jesus. And he was offering them what they needed most, himself. See, this morning you, you might want a certain amount of money in your checking account. You might want to attend a certain school or get a certain job, or you might want to have a certain type of marriage, or you might want your kids to act a certain way or live in a certain zip code. I don't know. But what you need and what you want often collide. And what you need this morning is Jesus himself. So you asked this morning, how can I access the power of Christ's resurrection in my life? Believe what he said. Look at verse number 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow to heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Believe what he said. Because I want you to know, when you come to God with a trusting heart, believing his word, and what it promises, nothing will be impossible in your life. Your confusion will be turned into direction, your doubt will be turned into faith, and your sadness will be turned into joy. That is a real hope that we can celebrate today as we consider the importance of the resurrection. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, How many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, I know certainly, for certain, that Jesus Christ is my Savior, that I've been forgiven of my sins, and that I have a right relationship with God, and heaven is my home. There's no doubt in my mind or in my heart this morning that Jesus is my Savior. Would you lift lift your hands and let me see those this morning? Amen. Hands all over the room. Now, how many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor, I don't know for certain that, that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know that there's ever been a time in my life where I put my complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ, trusting only in him, to know that I've been forgiven of my sins, to know that I'm right with God, and that one day when I slip out into eternity, that heaven is my home. I don't, I don't know that. 
And I want to share with you this morning, if you don't, you're in the right place. But you say, hey, I don't know. Would you lift your hand and just let me pray for you this morning? Anyone at all? Yes, sir, I see your hand. Anyone else? Man, pastor, just pray for me this morning. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Man, I'd love to know what it means to follow Christ and know that I'm right with God. How many say to me this morning, man, I need that kind of hope in my life. I got some areas of my life right now that I'm confused about, and I need, I need the power of Christ, a real risen Savior in my life. Would you lift your hand? Let me just see him this morning. I need that kind of hope. Lift it up. How many say, I need power over sadness today? I need power over sadness. I don't, I don't know what's going on in my life right now. Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you this morning? Yes, yes. Amen. Hands all over the room. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Father in heaven, I want to thank you again for another opportunity to come in and worship you in your house on a Sunday morning. I want to thank you for the word of God, and I want to thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to thank you, Lord, that 2,000 years ago, you supernaturally, powerfully came back from the dead. And I want to thank you this morning that we have a risen Savior with a real hope for all eternity. We can put it in you today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.